Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and today our guest is Jack Vanek of The Lady Gang and The First Degree Podcast. She's back today to talk with us about Billy Jensen's true crime book, Chase Darkness With Me. There are a few minor spoilers on today's episode, though I don't think it will take anything away from your reading of the book. Remember, you can find everything we talk about on today's episode by clicking the link in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to the social media accounts of the stacks and our guests. If you'd like to have myself and my guests suggest a book for you on air, email us at askingthestacks at gmail.com. You send us your name, what you're looking for in a book, and then we'll discuss it on air and give you something we think you should read. It's super easy. You just email askingthestacks at gmail.com. If you like this show and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. Join us on Patreon. You earn perks like our virtual book club and your contribution helps to keep the stacks up and running. It's a great way to connect with other listeners. And personally, it means a whole lot to me. So head over to patreon.com slash the stacks. Lastly, and perhaps most easily, and certainly the most free, you can subscribe to the stacks and you can leave us a rating and a review. It's so easy. It almost seems like it wouldn't matter, but it does. It really, really does. All right. Now that all that business is out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Jack Vanek. All right, you guys, I'm back with Jack Vanek of the Lady Gang and the First Degree Podcast and Jack Vanek (laughs) of Jack Vanek. How do you say that? Things. How do you say I'm Jack Vanek of Jack Vanek? It's funny because I do talk about my brand, like obviously in third person sometimes. Right. And I'm always like, oh, that looks like a Jack Vanek t-shirt. And I'm like, that's so weird, that's weird. that it's me. And people probably think that I'm insane. <laughs> it's got to be like Jack by Jack Vanek or Jack Vanek by Jack. Yeah. Jack by Jack by Jack. It's like that Mark, yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark Jacobs. Mark. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen that meme where it's like Mark by Mark Jacobs by MJ, MJ, Mark <laughs> yeah. Jacobs by it's I'm like, that's how I feel. That's you. That's, yeah. You invented that. Yep. Anyways, so today we're talking about Chase Darkness With Me by Billy Jensen. I should read the subtitle. Let's see. It's Chase Darkness With Me and it's how one true crime writer started solving murders. It's by Billy Jensen. If you're not familiar with Billy Jensen, he is a true crime writer who is most famous for being one of the people who finished Michelle McNamara's book, 
I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. Like, <laughs> I almost forgot it. Too. I was going to be like, chase darkness with me. No, I'll be gone in the dark after she passed away. They were friends. Um, so that's kind of his claim to fame. But yeah. now he's turned that in. He's now, I mean, he was doing things before, but now he's really like it a catapulted him, catapulted him into stardom. Yeah. True crime, crime stardom. World. Exactly. Okay. We always start in the same place. What did you think of the book? I, I loved it. I mean, I obviously have a really um, close relationship with Billy. So right. for me, it was super interesting because there are so many of these stories that I didn't even know that he was a part of mm. um it's so funny because we'll be talking like in our podcast or whatever and he's like yeah you know when i saw that murder and we're like what murders have you really solved billy like you've <laughs> never talked about any of them right so it was interesting to kind of read through and actually see his his place in all of these right. in these cases um and then also like he's always talked about his dad and like speaks so highly of his dad so for me it was very touching to kind of see how he like wove his dad throughout right. the entire story was that stuff new to you like the personal stories or did had you heard a lot of that already so there was one story in here when he was i think he was um talking about how he learned about death and he mm -hmm. was talking about how his dad um was talking about his um a uh, kid in his class that got hit right. by a bus right. and he was like, you know, he was there one day and then he was gone the next. And he was talking about how he wasn't, you know, religious. So there wasn't like, he wasn't, you know, he's in heaven now and right. in a better place. He's just like, yeah, he's gone. Um, he's kind of told that story before. It was actually in the episode that we did um, about my boyfriend and the kid that got uh, okay. murdered by his mom in his class because it was the same kind of thing. You know, you learn about right. death for the first time and, um, so I had heard that story before, but there was a lot of things, you know, when he would like talk about his dad that I didn't know. And it was such a, he's such an interesting person because there's so, he deals with like so much darkness and then there's right. like, there's so much light to him as well. Right. right. I had mixed feelings on this book. So I kind of felt like it was two books in one, yeah. which was hard for me because I didn't feel like it was, I felt like the marketing of the book didn't match what was in the book. Right. I thought it was going to be a lot about true crime, like 90% true crime. I thought we were maybe going to get like a little bit about Billy. And so I opened it up with that anticipation. Right. And so I kind of felt let down in that sense. And Got so it. it was hard for me to shift, which is not necessarily a critique of the book right. so much that it's just like it didn't match what I was thinking. And sometimes it's hard to get get it right it's like expectation versus reality yeah. yeah so like i think i struggled with that a lot in the book and i also thought that like it i thought that it was a little redundant like i like he kept bringing up the same things that i was like wait didn't we do this already well that's what i was because there was the bear brook thing the uh barrels in the bodies yes that part um that was brought up later in the book well but it was because they found new information out but um i i totally get where that's coming from yeah. and then sometimes you know i feel like it did it jumped around a little bit that's i think what it was like it was hard to know am i in the memoir part or am i in the crime part right but i liked it like i didn't dislike the book i just don't think i ever quite clicked into it i totally get what you're saying you know what i mean i don't know like, i think that that's it's probably hard when it's like you're trying to tell your life story while also trying to tell the stories of these cases that were going on with that right. are also sort like of so separate from you totally separate from you like it's not like i feel like a lot of times in memoir when it's tied into other things the thing is really connected to you but he's like but inserting he, himself into other yeah, things it's like yeah. it's like first degree it's actually like second degree like totally. he's doing your podcast <laughs> as a book kind of it's like this is how this 
person's thing connects to this murder that connects to me or whatever. Right. So that was like kind of tricky for me. So I never really like settled into the book. I always kind of felt like a little bit removed from it, which was a weird experience because that's not usually I'm like, I like this book or I didn't like this book. And I was somewhere kind of like, what am I feeling? Like, You're like, I don't know how I feel. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, we didn't talk about this last week, but I am really curious. How did you get into true crime? Like, what was the murder, like the story that made you be like, I'm, I'll continue down this path. So um, I forget what he, he has like a name for it. It was in the end of the book. Like, what is like the thing that gets you into it? What the hell is it? Did he say what it was? Um... I just want you guys to know Jack has like flags all over her book and has highlighted and like written all over it. And well, it's kind of amazing. This The reason why is because I listened to it on an audiobook and I'm like, if I ever want to reference anything, how am I going to know? Right. Origin story. That's oh, yeah. what he called it. Um, and so my origin story, I guess, and what got me into true crime in general was my first degree that I had oh. a connection to. And um, it was a girl on my cheerleading team in high school when I was 16 years old. Her mother ended up killing her um, her husband. She had her current boyfriend kill her husband oh. and got away with it for like 15 years. <gasps> and during those 15 years was when I was on the cheerleading team in high school and I used to have sleepovers at this woman's house. So yeah. I was like sleeping at a murderer's house basically. Um, so that was my connection to it. And it was funny because um, our other po- our podcast partner, Alexis, she's a true crime TV producer mm-hmm. and she was doing an episode on, of Snapped, you know, the TV show no. on this. Th- so it's a TV show about women who kill. Oh, amazing. And it's like basically, the, you know, when they right. snap and they kill. Snap. Um, and she was doing an episode on her name is Nanette Johnson. She's in jail for the rest of her life now. But she was doing an episode on her and I was like, oh, my God, like I went to high school with her daughter. <laughs> I was sleeping at her house. Like, it's so crazy. Oh so that was my connection to it. I've always kind of liked true crime before it was a genre like i loved unsolved mysteries growing up and dateline and all that in 2020 i'd always watch on friday nights um so but then i mean serial was like the first thing that i listened to kind of like in this day and age that kind of got me into it Serial was kind of the resurgence of popular true True crime crime. there's a book called popular crime by bill james who is again in my weird wheelhouse is a sports writer really he also is like obsessed with true crime and he wrote this great book about like how true crime has always been a thing and like crime's always been popular and you go back and there's all these like murder stories and like famous murder trials from the 1800s and like you know jack the ripper and all this stuff it was a really good book um but serial kind of made true crime really hot again yeah, I feel it like. really did. And it's so weird because, yeah, that was the first of everything. Because I used to feel weird about liking true crime and, like, think that I was a weirdo. And then Serial happened and everyone's like, oh, I love true crime. I'm like, but it's... where were you at John Bonet? Yeah. Like, where were you when I was worried about Polly Class? I'm like, <laughs> right. Like, because I don't remember feeling like I could just go talk to all my friends about how I was obsessed with, like, Columbine. You right. Know? No, it brought it back, er, back into mainstream, I yeah. feel like, where, yeah, before it was like, yeah, if you're like, oh, you know, yeah, John Benet, blah, blah, people would look at you like you're a freaking weirdo. But now it's so normalized. Yeah. Which is, you know, I have mixed feelings about that in general, and I'm a part of it. But right. it's, it's like you have to, I mean, it's, you know, it's like looking at like a car wreck. There's that sort of part of it that makes you kind of feel dirty for liking it. But at the same time, it's, as a woman, I feel like we are kind of, you know, bringing, um, 
like rationality to chaos in a right. sense in our minds when right. we we want an ending and we want to we want justice and we want to catch the killer and right. he all says that in the book he yeah. says that people like true crime because it restores order to, to chaos, chaos. yeah it's like you have this horrible thing and then and you want to see it solved and as a woman it's like you want to see the bad guy put behind bars so they're right. not out there you know going to get somebody else right um but it is true crime such an interesting thing but i i mean i i love billy because he's always kind of come across or come you know, to trying to solve these murders out of such a place of empathy and like just seeking justice while I feel like a lot of people do. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out here that are like comedy, true crime and where it's almost like making light of something that's literally a, traumatizing it's like the worst day in a lot of people's lives and or like the worst week or month absolutely or and you know people have lost loved ones and right. people are cracking jokes about it but that's something that he has always carried with him of like respect um for victims and you know treating everybody with that because it's 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 horrible yeah i mean i think that's one of the things that i really liked about this book that really comes across is his appreciation and respect for victims and the families and like by naming the victims and like getting get like you know even from that first story of the man in the green hoodie yeah he names that victim he talks about like he allows those family members to talk about their positive memories of him in life yeah and i think that that's really important because unless the victim's family has a platform you never really hear about it. No. Like you never, like, I mean, one that pops into my mind is like OJ Simpson. Oh yeah. It's like the Goldman family, they're really like advocates for Ron Goldman. And so we're all familiar with the dad and the sister <sighs> and like, we're all familiar with their pain and their grief. But on the other side, like when you look at Nicole Brown's family, like they really are, I mean, they're there because it's a celebrity story and we all know them, but it's not in the same way. Yeah. Like when you think of Ron Goldman's dad, it's like you can picture him, you can see him crying, like you can connect with that pain in a way that most true crime stories, it's like... They don't have. Well, they... So we had Kim Goldman on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. And I... I Have you listened to her podcast at all? No, I didn't know she had one. So she has a... It's uh, Confronting OJ. Okay. That's what it's called. But um, I mean, she, she has her dad on and I can't... I physically cannot listen to the her dad talk because it is the most excruciating pain ever it is i mean it's really that's a really tough like all the oj things whenever they come on it's like this is tough this is tough it's it's really it's really tough and i mean she she, but the reason why it's like you hear all that because they've been fighting yeah that's where i feel like nicole brown's family kind of has more stayed behind right you know the the spotlight and stuff for you know whatever reason every well and also justified. her kids are oj's kids, kids like yeah. there's it's a little murkier right as far as like how do you handle this situation yeah but like if ron's family didn't say anything i mean he was like the forgotten victim right, right. so it's like if they weren't fighting every day he would really be forgotten right so right um but yeah i think that you know billy has always kind of been a victim's advocate in that in that realm and is always like naming the victims and telling their stories yeah. because you know as humans, it's like we're drawn to like the fucked upness of things. Right. And it's like you're so you're drawn to the perpetrator, you're drawn to the murderer, and then right. they're almost like glorified in a weird way and it's so ass backwards and it doesn't do anything to help it. And it's right. you know, then it makes these other bad guys, you know, worship them even more because they're infamous and right. so it's And we don't know how to deal with death and sadness. No. So it's like we don't want anything to do with the victim. Because it's sad. Yeah. Like, that's like if where you start sad- dealing with it, it's like oof. This yeah, is hard. That's that's where it like really it makes you uncomfortable. And I feel like 
I mean, I'm guilty of it too. It's like you're, you get interested in the perpetrator and like how, why does their mind work the way that it works? And those are the things that are exciting Mm -hmm. and having, and then when you think of the victim, like those are the things that are sad. And, you know, we try to kind of block that stuff out, I feel like as humans. Yeah, me too. Totally. It's like you want to enjoy the story and like you want it to be entertainment, but it's not because it's real, Mm -hmm. but nobody could write it. No. As good as as the real story. Like, so as it's like, fact, yeah. like, this is the best murder story, but I have to kind of ignore the fact that someone was murdered in order to enjoy this. Right. Because otherwise I'm like excited about murder, which is a tricky thing when you start to like think about it. That's why I'm saying like true crime is so interesting as a yeah. genre because it's like you're excited about this really could not be anything more messed up than that. Yeah. You know? So there's like, it's interesting psychology, I feel like behind right. all that. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, you have to like remember the victims or else it's, it's just sick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, you've glorified this terrible thing and you're not even recognizing like why it's terrible and who had like at what cost. Right. Yeah. I, God, now I don't even want to like true crime anymore. <laughs> I wish I was just like one of those people who's like, I'm not into true crime now. I know. I'm like, I can't stop. I'm. I love true crime stories, but then I also have really bad nightmares. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. I'm, like, not actually into true crime. Like, I, like, like it, but I, like, don't like it. See, okay, I'm going to tell you the weird... I have a weird thing with that. Like, true crime, I feel like it's... I have it at, like, arm's length, so I don't get nightmares or anything about true crime. Things that really freak me out are the mass shootings. Yeah. Freak me out. Those freak me out. But I consider that true crime. I don't... See, I... Oh. that For me, we did... um. Gabrielle Giffords, you know, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. so we did an episode about her and that was such a hard episode. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like too, it feels too close. Yeah. Whereas like the thing with true crime is, you know, the possibility of somebody that, you know, being murdered and that like in the true crime ish way right. that people talk about is pretty slim. So right. it is sort of at like arm's length. Whereas I don't know, that feels so, so close. Oh, like it could happen at any time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Huh. Well, I, yeah, I think maybe my true crime, I'm more into true crime that's like bigger events that are more connected to other things. Right. I don't, I mean, like if it was, if I had a choice between a book about a murder of a person versus like a, a cult type situation, I'm always going to go cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm much more interested in like... The bigger picture of something. Yeah, like the psychology of people right. than I am about... Like one... a depraved, one yes, depraved human. exactly. Yeah. So like a serial killer is more interesting to me than like a one-off weird murder. Right. Well, but... And, and I'm going to go back to his book because I think that's interesting because he... The cover or the cases that he was, you know, helping solve are all those cases that are like almost the forgotten yeah cases where it's you know it's either people that are on drugs or it's like a street crime or a hit and run or whatever where that's not an interesting story to somebody like you or I like I'm not going to listen to a podcast about you know like the guy that got punched and then ended up getting ran over by a car like that's not interesting well that one was weird to me a slightly because I kind of felt like who is to blame here right and like i mean he doesn't have the answers but i was thinking like did the people who robbed what was his name marcus or something yeah marcus, marcus Gaines. I yeah think? yeah did the people who rob him know 
that the guy was going to punch him out so that they could rob him? Or was it like another opportunistic crime that like popped up? Right. And then the person who ran over with the car, like that was just an accident. Like the whole thing, I was like, wait, so the guy in the green hoodie were arresting him for punching someone. Like, yeah. He's not really to blame for right. the murder. What did, did it, we, I can't remember. What did he end up getting arrested for? I want to say it was like assault. Okay. I don't know. But it, I mean, maybe it was manslaughter, but, but it, it couldn't it have been be. murder. Yeah. Because it wasn't like... I mean, he knocked the guy out. Like, don't hit people. Right. But it but was that, a weird place to gonna, start yeah. for me. I was like, wait, is this even a true crime story? Like, someone did die, which right. is sad. But, like... But it was a multiple... It was just a set of circumstances that were really, I mean, horribly timed. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bad timing. Right. But it was a weird... It was, that, It's like a weird crime where I was like, hmm. I think that's also part of what was I maybe wasn't is into in the book is that I thought it would be more about crimes that I knew about. Right. Because I like when I already know about a crime and then it's like a deeper dive into it. Yeah. Or when I can spend like a lot of time with something that I don't know, which is why I think serial worked. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of time with something that I had knew nothing about. Like deep diving. Deep. Yeah. Deep. Well, that's what... Um, Have you ever like looked into the Bear Brook murders? Those are the... The barrel ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'd never looked into that. So that's something... And well, that's what I kind of wish... I totally agree with you because that case in in particular is so crazy right. and so many twists and turns and like it's one of the like wildest cases ever. Yeah. But I mean, he touches on it, you know, in the two chapters. Com- I think it's like maybe even more because he mentions it in the beginning and then he kind of like gets to the girl. Lisa. Yeah. Little girl. The little that, girl. Yeah. And then he comes back to it like way later. Right. So, yeah. So, it's like little... But that's... I want to dive into that yes, case. Yes. I just want that book. Yeah. Like the barrel murder book. The barrel book. Wait, what did you call it? The Bear? Bear Brook. It, I oh. think that was the... It was either the name of the city or the name of the yard that they found the, the barrels okay. in. Um, but then also, the only reason I knew that they were really connected is because I was familiar with that case, but I don't know if I would have... I didn't know they were connected. Put those dots together if yeah. I didn't. Um, but I know that's what's interesting because it's like he's telling stories from like how he was connected to that. He's like first agreeing himself in there. Yeah. Um, But like you said, it's like inserting himself into there in, in, in a way, but yeah, it's like, but tell, you know, you should tell, you know, the Scott Peterson story. then. Right. That's like, um, that, I mean, that was where I, near where I grew up. So I was like, it was, yeah, my friend, do you think he's guilty or innocent? For sure. I always think they do it. Yeah. I'm the worst. I'm like, yeah, you did. I totally buy in. I do too. Mm, but then like, like for example, though, for like OJ, I think OJ did it, but I don't think OJ deserved to be convicted. Right. Like I think that like in watching the, did you watch the eight part or the five part documentary that like won the Oscar, yeah. the Ezra something, I can't remember his last name. Anyways, the documentary. When I finished that, I was like, I have never been more convinced that OJ did it. And I have never been more convinced that he deserved to be acquitted. And that right. was like a crazy thing for me because mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Because those are two different things. I think that's also what's really interesting to me. And it, it actually comes up in the book. Um, I had a moment where he he's talking about like, oh, I solved this murder because there was an arrest. I solved this murder. And I kept thinking, I don't know if that's a solve. Just because right. someone's arrested for something does not mean that they committed the crime. No. Or that like, yeah. So like I thought that was really interesting because he, he wasn't judging his solves by convictions. He was judging his solves by, by captures. Yeah. yeah. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last 
three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. I mean, we know fully, full and well people are arrested all the time for things they didn't do. Exactly. Yeah. And like, not to say that his, his investigating was bad or anything, but like, you know, some of it, a lot of it's like circumstantial, you know, it's like, oh, this person had a green hoodie on around the same time and I saw that picture on Facebook. Right. You know, and it's like, okay, I get it. Sure. Right. But like, that's a hoodie from Target. Like, a lot of people might have that. Right. And like, people who have a widow's peak, you know, like, so for me, I was kind of like, I appreciate what you're doing, but I also wonder what's the line there for like citizen crime solvers and people's actual lives and liberty and getting incarcerated or arrested for something that they maybe didn't do. Well, that was, um, he mentioned that like at the end of the, well, I think he mentioned a couple times cause it was like the worst thing that's ever happened with the crowd, crowd fund, crowdfunding, crowd <laughs> sourcing for solving crimes was the Boston bombing. Right. And when they, when all those people, right. do you remember that happening? I was, I was in California staying up late at night on my phone. On Reddit. Like, watching, like watching like the police scanners on oh, Twitter yeah. and everything. I'm I mean, so into it. I just, when it was happening, I'm like, this is 
freaking amazing that we're able to do this, you know, and it's, you know, a, a, a detective's office or whatever is not going to be able to go through every single security camera that was even in Boston at the time right. and try to pin, like there were thousands and thousands of people. So I'm like, it's such a cool thing that people are gathering together and doing. Right. And then they got the wrong guy. Right. So it's like, that was such a bummer. And it was probably the biggest, you know, example of people, you know, crowdsourcing right. together to try to solve something. But there are so, it's a tricky thing, I think, for people to try to get into. And, yeah. you know, you could ruin people's lives in the process. Like super easy. Really easy. And he had that, like, his, like, rules to do it in the in the end. And they're smart because it's like, don't dox people. Don't right. be giving out information. Don't be calling people out, like, in public because... Right. Don't tag people. Don't tag people. Like, don't be trying to, like, go and physically like confront somebody right. like cause they could kill you. Right. So it's just, um, it's, it's an interesting and very, um, I feel like almost uh shaky kind of thing yeah. to try to get into. I think so too. I, I, I like what is great about it is that someone is devoting their attention to something that like law enforcement can't. Right. And you know, I have a lot of thoughts about law enforcement. <laughs> like there's a lot of good and bad and, you know, whatever, all of that aside, I understand that they're underfunded and understaffed. Right. And like, you know, there's a book called ghetto side, which I actually don't recommend. I don't like the book, but it's about, um, the LAPD detectives, um, maybe Compton, maybe Watts somewhere. And they're solving like, you know, gang murders and, and those types of, those types of crimes. And one of the things that is great about the book or that really comes off is like how little resources they have and how many crimes these like three detectives are trying to solve and how like when you get a promotion, they want to leave that area. So nobody wants to be there and right. like, all that kind of stuff, which is kind of ties into the crimes that Billy's talking about that he's solving that like nobody really cares about like yeah. meth heads or drug addicts or, or, you know, gang bangers or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, the people, the black and brown people, the transgender people, like yeah. all the people that aren't pretty white girls yeah. who get murdered by their handsome husbands or whatever. Yeah. So I appreciate that people are interested in those crimes. Right. But then I'm like, yeah, that's also the first person that's going to get arrested for something they didn't do and not have the resources to get out of it and plead and that's, end up in jail for 30 years. That's so like, true. You know, like, so it's like, I get it, but I also feel like that's super dangerous because a lot of people don't have the resources that Scott Peterson had. Yeah. You know, to like launch a whole campaign about... Uh, to do a whole new documentary about right. why you didn't do it. <laughs> right. Like to to become... And like a lot of people don't have the Scott Peterson face, right? Or charm. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. So it's like, I I appreciate the idea of it. Like he says in the book, 38% chance that no one catches a murderer. Like there's a 38% chance that a murderer isn't caught for their crime. Yeah, they crime and that there's 5,000 new unsolved murders every year. And well, it's like, yeah, it's, it's something like 15 a day happen. And it's, yeah. and that's what makes it hard for law enforcement. Cause it's like, you know, a new day, here come new, new crimes. And it's like, if you don't get any leads in the first 48 hours, like you're exponentially, right. You know, going down on being able to solve something. So I, I am mind blown that any of these murders get solved at all. Period. Cause I'm like, how, like, of course you're understaffed and underfunded. And the fact that you can solve anything is mind blowing right. to me. So, right. totally. um, that's, I mean, it's so, it's frustrating. And I'm sure a lot of these families are just sitting there being like feeling so helpless because yeah. nobody is, you know, helping them because, you know, for whatever reasons that you said earlier and, you know, 
any life is just as important as another one. So yeah. it's, it's a bummer. So, and he talks about how much money, like in Facebook ads and all those things. It's crazy. Like, That's a lot of money. Well, and here's the crazy thing that he didn't mention in the book. Like he's tried to reach out to Facebook or like Instagram and, you know, those kind of mm. sites to be like, Hey, you know, I'm working on this thing. Like it'd be great if I could get some like, credit or like right. if it could, I ha- could have like a free promotion or something. Um, and like nobody will do it, which wow. is crazy because you know, for things like that, for, especially for missing persons, right? Like right. even if you're not trying to, you know, it's not the perpetrator that, you know, could be wrongfully identified or something like that is where it kind of gets sticky and murky. But if it's a missing person and you can, you know, get a lot of money to put it out there because, you know, you're way more people are going to see it on Facebook than on a fucking milk carton or something like that. Like that's where it would be cool if, you know, places like Facebook could supply some resources. They probably have, they probably make a shit ton of money off those. Oh yeah. Don't you think? Like I I would be so curious to know what percentage of their like ads are for missing people. Probably a good a amount. Lot. Yeah. Because those are the because those people are probably crowdfunding their own money to be able to do to that. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Which is so, so sneaky. And it's really sad too to think like such a giant co- corporation is just so damn greedy that yeah. they're taking your money to try to find your missing loved one. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> It's what dark. Really sad. All of a sudden, I gotta get off Facebook. (laughs) Don't follow us on Instagram. We're not there anymore. Um, We don't exist. Yeah, we're off all social media. We just. I mean, does Bill? Do you know if Billy crowdsources his funds for Facebook ads and things? I don't know if he does. Have a Patreon or something? Not that I know. I don't. He can't because I would have known about it. You would have heard about Um, it. I'm pretty sure he was putting all of his like personal money into it, which is wonderful so generous so generous and i bet that's not a tax write-off yeah probably not probably not i mean it's fate you're paying facebook ads it's not like you're sending it to charity yeah yeah you can't write yeah oh that sucks i also he was saying how like facebook isn't really what it used to be and i was thinking of that too i was like i can't get any traction on facebook i'm like well the thing i got married it's like three (laughs) likes i'm like all right facebook fuck you No, the thing that, cause I mean, I used to do Facebook ads for my brand and mm-hmm. stuff and it's changed so much, especially recently that you won't get any sort of a response unless you put a shit ton of money in. Like right. you can't be like, oh, I guess I'll just put $50 in and see how, you know, and he was doing stuff, you know, in like geo right. kind of targeting. Um, they're not going to push it to anybody unless you're putting like thousands of dollars in, which is, so, it's just Facebook is corrupt. Yeah. We're <laughs> they're making it impossible to do anything. We need a congressional hearing on this. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's stupid little face. Um, I, I'm like, now that I'm thinking about it, like sometimes when I read a book, I just take in the whole story. And then when we sit down and talk about it on the podcast, I start thinking about like more little things that kind of bothered me in the moment, but I didn't really think about think it. About, and, and, yeah. that, and then I get like so off track in my mind. I like keep looking down at my notes being like, um, and then I'm like, I still have more to say about how mad I am. About, about Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, Facebook. <laughs> um, wait, I do want to talk about this though. So one of the other things that's kind of like a big theme or like a big, point that he comes back to a lot is this whole DNA testing thing. Right. And I feel similarly about the DNA testing pools on these private websites that I do about the crowdsourcing of crime solving. So you're against it. I'm not necessarily against it, but it makes me very worried. 
Yeah. And like, that's a murky thing, too. Super murky. If you don't know what we're talking about, basically, he talks a lot about the way that they found the Golden State Killer was by taking some of the DNA that they had and matching it to distant, like, third and fourth third cousin cousins. or something. Yeah. Their DNA through closed databases of DNA. So, like, if you were to do 23andMe, it wouldn't be that. It would be you, you have, have to, to option yourself into these other databases for crime purposes or for I, connecting purposes yes and so it's it's called jed match i think yeah um and i think that see which is weird because i hadn't even heard of that before like i, I did an episode on the daily about this they did and so that's how i heard more about it but was it like how it was like taking your personal what well, was about the golden state killer oh so they were just talking more about how they found the golden state oh, killer. okay yeah yeah so it's like you do if you do 23 and me that does not mean that you're in that database right. like you have to opt into it and then right. that's that database is more like, I guess, kind of sort of like the ancestry thing where it yeah, connects it's like trying you. to connect you to people who also have your your same DNA, but they have a clause, I guess, that says that it can be used, like you can enter in DNA. I, I'm not exactly used by third parties or something. I guess I'm not exactly sure how it works, but that's how they were able to figure out who yes. the Golden State Killer was because then they found this third cousin and they were able to trace back, be like, oh, it could be any of these seven people because. They have matching DNA. They were alive at this time. They were traveling they to were, those locations. Yeah, they were living yeah. there, whatever. So it is it is super murky because if you open up these other da- databases like 23andMe, it's like, I didn't really opt into all of this. And yeah. Like, and you have like my the building blocks of my person, basically. Right. Like, right. who knows what you're going to do with those in the future? And if it's public, that means like the the government can be in there and seeing like... You know, and like health insurance companies and it's like you start opening it up for things like that feel really altruistic and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. We just talked about how shitty Facebook is. Do you think that well, that's how everything health insurance with, is going to be any better? I mean, anything with technology, it's like right. it starts like well, anything in life, right. really. It's like something that starts as like an altruistic right. thing ends up, you know, it's just the greed within it ends up, you know, turning right. it to shit. Right. And if you have, if your job was to be like making pharmaceutical whatever, and you had a database of all these people who were potentially had a gene or whatever that could link to a Alzheimer's that could link to a Certain, cure or yeah. whatever, of course you're going to use that as an opportunity to make your drug to yeah. make billions of dollars. That's all that we need is to give like the pharmaceutical industry more ammo. Right. Exactly. More <laughs> DNA. Yeah, great. More. <laughs> so like I'm really torn about it because I understand like for this really small unsolved mystery DNA type thing. Like I'm like, sure I get it. But then you're opening the floodgates to so many other things. But then it's like, that's not even the, like, where does that go? Is it like the government has it then? Or it's like the, the, like well the police obviously if they right. can arrest you based off so of, it's but it's more so this jed match thing is the the people to blame because right. they're the ones that can give it to all the other third parties but no because billy in the book i think is talking about how he wishes that these other play like because jen match is like has like a quarter of the dna right whereas 23 and me has 100 percent right so you have to take your dna and put it, and put there. it there yeah so he's saying he wished that the or maybe not just him but like the argument from my understanding is that they wish that all 
the places would open themselves up. Right. For crime solving purposes. Right. And I think that's, that's super dangerous. I feel like you should have to opt into that. Opt in. Cause yeah. Because I wouldn't. Well, and probably nobody that is putting their stuff into that Judd match even understands what they're signing off for. Right. I wouldn't. Unless right. this was explained to me, like in this, right. in like layman's terms like that. Right. But like, I would have been like, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah connect me to my uh, distant right. relatives. That sounds good. And then in fine, fine, fine print, it's like, by the way, if there are any third party. Right. By the way, if anybody in your family ever committed a crime, now we can find them and yeah. we can pin them down. I know. But also like the other thing that's weird about it is that I, from my understanding, I think this came from the daily episode. They talk about that. It's like overwhelmingly Anglo-Saxon. People like white people, yeah, overwhelmingly who are a able to afford yeah. and do these things, but who also are interested because like there's lots of history of especially black people like being scared of the government getting their DNA, yeah, and so they don't they don't oh, do that. That's really interesting. Yeah, my brother got it for us for Christmas, and the whole family was like, "Our." What are you doing? Like, did nobody do we it? We did it. We all did it. Oh, okay. We're half white, half black. Right. So the white side of the family, we did it. But like, I went on because there's like a way if you go on 23andMe, it can say like, oh, if you opt in, we can help you connect to other all your relatives or whatever. And mine. Wait. So does that what if you say that? Does that mean that now I don't it's in think the gen t- match? No, it's not. Still not in the gen match. I think that's like a separate like okay. website. I'm not exactly. That's sure. That's what I thought. But. But they do have a thing on 23andMe where it's like a map and you can be like, oh, you have people like a sixth cousin in this place or whatever. And for us, it was all of our like Jewish white side. There was no match for anybody on my black side anywhere, period. It was all from my from my white my white side and i was like well this makes sense <laughs> but that's just also like another interesting fact about these dna tests yeah have you done one i did one i did 23 me yeah. 23 me was one of our sponsors so oh. we all did it yeah i did it did you find out anything good i know i mean i'm 51 percent greek so i'm a little mm-hmm. bit more of my mom than my dad okay <laughs> greek genes <laughs> strong. other than that it's like everything was um, as expected what about you um, no, we were, I mean, we were surprised that my mom was so Ashkenazi Jew. Oh, really? She was like 99%. Holy shit. We kind of thought like everyone's a little mixed. Yeah. So like my brother and I are both like 50% like Jewish, like Ashkenazi Jew is how they put it in there. But it was really a shock to us because we were like, you, nobody in your family ever mixed with anybody else for like ever, ever. It was like 99% Ashkenazi Jew and like 0.3% like Native American. We were like, what the fuck? Um, But no, we we were basically exactly what we thought we were. Right. Yeah. Because on the on our black side, there's like some mixing. But my dad's from was from Louisiana, so that's like Creole. So we knew there was going to be some French or like Western European right. in there. Like, so it, it was all exactly what we thought. But I've heard fucking crazy stories about people finding out like their dad wasn't their dad, yeah. and like their mom had an affair or they oh, were yeah. adopted or like. Like, yo. Dude, 23 and me is like ripping families apart. Ruining people's lives. I remember Becca was telling me a story about like someone who's is was it somebody got a, something a present for christmas it was like a 23 and me and the dad and the, was like don't do it don't do it no it was like siblings and then it came out that they had 50 percent different dna and it turned out the mom had had an affair oh like the dad and the mom had broken up and had an affair and then the mom got back together with the dad so the dad raised both kids as his own right. but the second kid wasn't actually the dad's kid oh god I'm like, but they yo. found it all out through 23 and Yeah, me. like, Merry fucking Christmas. Are you kidding me? Oh Next year at Christmas, it's like, we're not doing presents this year. 
we're all going to donate to Billy Jensen's Patreon to help solve crimes because, like, we truly cannot. Like, keep those skeletons in the closet. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm going to choke to death. Um, <laughs> not today. Hopefully not. Well, you'll solve my crime. You'll be like, yeah. like she was in a room alone with Jack Vanek, and then she just died. But it's fine. And then they're going to crowdsource you and say, you killed me. I know. Circumstantial evidence. I'm just Shit. saying. I'm just Shit. saying. Billy Jensen. Done it. Okay. The other thing I want to talk about, because I'm curious how you guys handle this on your podcast. Okay. White female victims. They're always the star. Always the star. At least of the big ones. So we, so a big part of our podcast is we're trying to tell stories that usually don't get told. Like, okay. you know, we'll do the big cases because everybody loves, you know, yeah. the main cases they are, sure. already know about. Um, but Billy and Alexis especially, they work in the world and they know that it's like so biased. Right. And it's like, of course, the pretty white girl is always going to be shown right. like all over the media because that's the salacious story. Right. So, um we really try to like champion for those like lesser told stories. Right. There is this example. Um, the first degree uh, connection was this girl that was in high school. And when she was in high school, two murders happened. One murder was this girl. I don't remember. It was a girl named Sarah. She murdered her parents. Sarah was white. Her family was all white. Okay. They're like upper class, whatever. Okay. Murdered her parents. The story, I mean, the whole school was all talking about it. They offered counseling to, like, all the kids. Okay. They had, like, a, a vigil. It was the whole thing. And then um, there was this girl. I think her name was Maggie. She was Hispanic, and she was murdered by uh, – I can't remember if it was her ex-boyfriend or exactly what the story was. We did this a long time ago. Okay. Um, but when she was murdered – no counseling, nobody talked about it, no resources, wow. nobody cared. And it was just such a stark contrast between the two. So it was like, number one, this the one girl that murdered her family, she wasn't the one murdered. Right. But they're still offering all this counseling, which, you know, rightfully, you should be offering should, cancel right. counseling. But when your classmate was murdered, she was sitting right next to you in right. school. And then you pretended like it didn't happen. Like there was, it was obviously like fucking racist right Right, and so we were really trying to highlight those two stories next to each other to show the difference of something that happened between like three years um but yeah i mean it's it's not fair and like i said with all these things it's like that doesn't make that person's life any less worthy than this other person because of the color of their skin and they deserve to have their stories told as well and respected and valued you know right I mean, we see that a ton right now with like trans women, black trans women who are murdered yep. and like nobody or sex talks workers. about yeah, and sex workers. Yeah. I mean, those are like the two huge categories of like people that are murdered and nobody talks about. Yeah. Oh, it's like all. the lesser dead. That's, yeah. That's how they're like referred to. And oh, I've never heard that. That's terrible. Yeah. Or like drug addicts, sure. sex workers, sure. people of color. People who like had it coming. Yeah. Right. Like that there's this some feeling that unless you're like a perfect, innocent victim, you're not worthy of of any sympathy. Yeah. That's what we heard so much when there was like a lot of those police shootings that were getting publicized. It right. was like, he was no angel. She was no angel. It's like, okay, but they also like didn't do anything that deserved for them to be shot dead in the street. Like, right. It's just such a weird way in which we justify or don't justify caring about someone else's life. Yeah. I mean, it's, you see that, I mean, everywhere. Yeah. And even with, um, with 
you know, certain serial killers, like you won't really hear about as much because all their victims were African-American sex workers. Well, there's the guy in L.A. right now, the guy who was killing young black gay men, like overdosing them on drugs in his apartment in Hollywood. I never heard about it. Oh, yeah. And then Becca told me about it. (laughs) Becca's really like my true crime, like pusher, I guess. I don't know. Um, But she was like, you didn't hear about this? And then I was like looking into it. But that's like such a crazy thing. Living in LA, you'd think people would be talking about it. Yeah. I mean, not just living in LA. It was happening in West Hollywood and I live five minutes from West Hollywood. That's crazy. See, I haven't really even heard of that. I barely, I barely have heard about it, but it's like, and we live in a liberal city. Like imagine, you know, in more conservative areas. I mean, right. Don't care. I was trying to think of like, what are famous or infamous true crime stories where the victim isn't a white girl. And I I mean, Heyman Lee in the, in the serial one is one, but like I was, I can't. Sometimes it's like parents, like the Menendez family, like that was like father and what father and mother. Yeah, but white. Yeah, there's not a ton. I mean, I'm sure I'm skipping over some that are like obvious. Like you're thinking, like if there is like a person of color victim. Yeah, in like a big case, right? Like there's no, there's no, you know, Hispanic, um, John Benet. Right. You know, and I like, can't think of a single one. I can't think of one. There have been moments like where there are people that were on the news for like a day and they like tried to make a thing. But yeah. like, I really can't think of any that were really big besides Heyman Lee. She's right. the only one that I'm like, I know. I feel like I feel really. And it's not like that. Like when that happened, it was a big case. You know what I mean? It's right. only big because of because cereal. cereal. Exactly. And like I can think of people who were killed by the police and I don't mean those kind of shooting. No, no, I don't. Like, I mean. mean like those like true crime. You mean stuff. the ones yeah, that have been like sensationalized right. almost. Right. And exactly. like to like a true crime staple. Right. Which exactly. Is fucked up, like but... the Lacey Petersons. Like, right. They're all. They're all. I it's all white girls. Yep. Which is just so crazy. I wonder why. I mean, I don't. I mean, I know why, but I'm also. <laughs> I'm curious why we think that we can't relate to other victims. I mean, and and that's what's so fucked up about it because we're all people, right. you know, and it hurts just as bad losing a loved one, no matter what your race right. or your, you know, sexual right. orientation or whatever. It's, right. you know, it's, it hurts just as bad and we're all at the end of the day, the same. So, right. but that's like what I was saying before. It's like, we're really we're trying to tell those stories because, you know, the good thing about having a podcast is you can do whatever the fuck you want exactly. and talk about whatever the hell you want. Bingo. <laughs> so um, for us, I mean, our but our stories are crowdsourced, right? So it's like we're we're writing about stories that people want to tell. So we feel fortunate that we can tell the stories of some of these people mm. that that were otherwise forgotten um, yeah. because nobody else is because these. You know, a lot of times if you're picking what you're talking about, maybe you're not going to do that story because right. it's not as exciting to to your listeners. Right. But um, I, think that's, I think that's true for like, I mean, that's how I feel about this podcast, too. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I need to pick a book that's popular. Right. Instead of picking a book by a queer author or something. You right. Know? Like it's like, how do I balance picking something that I know like people are going to want to read and listen and to be engaged versus in. me being like, I know this is a good book and no one's heard of it. And I want to do it anyway. Like, yeah. it's like that balance is really hard. Yeah. But you need that because people like you and like, hopefully what, you know, we're doing on our end, it's like, that's going to push the needle right. movement, the needle that way. It's our responsibility if we're going to host a podcast right. to talk about things, but it's, it does get tricky because all of a sudden you start worrying about things that 
don't matter as much. Totally. Right. It's like when I first started the podcast, I was like, I'm only going to do books that I want to do. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, well, it's fine. It's just one book. Like whatever. Like, you're like, all right, well, I guess everybody can book I'm doing. I don't actually yeah, want to read. <laughs> it's true. I mean, and I try to have conversations that I want to have around the books, even right. if I didn't necessarily like love the book or whatever. But it's true that like my going into it, I was like, I'm only going to do books that I want to read <laughs> that are like about the things I want to talk about. And then it's like, I have a guest and they're like, I don't want to read any of those things. I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Whatever. Right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, there is a balance though. Cause yeah. it's like, obviously the point of a podcast is to have people engage and listen to it. Yeah. But if you're like, I'm going to read the most obscure book right. that I have ever right. like, heard about. And people right. are like, no. We're like, we're not going to read and we're not going to listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. The last thing we always talk about for every book is title and cover. Okay. Um, so again, the title is Chase Darkness With Me, How One True Crime Writer Started Solving Murders. And the cover is kind of like, I don't know, murky and there's like a tree and a It's row. like turquoise yeah. and then yellow. Google it, people. Google it. Um, what do you think of the title and the cover? Um, Not my favorite. <laughs> cover or title or both? Um, Both. Sorry, Billy. Um, I mean, I guess I get that it's a true crime book, right? So it's like it has like the same like true crime vibe. Right. I'm a very aesthetics driven person. Okay. I would have done like the yellow is not my color. Well, that's like the crime tape, right? Yeah. It's like the, yeah, the caution tape. The caution tape. Um, I understand like the, the angle that they're going for. But again, it's just not, I like more of like a, like a, I don't know, more of an aesthetic, yeah. like a design. It didn't, I, I, the cover for me doesn't like grab you. And I feel like it needed a grabbier either title or cover. So Nothing is grabby. I was thinking about the title yesterday. This is so funny that you bring that up because Chase Darkness with me, it seems passive. Mm-hmm. And if I like, I'm like, okay, you're chasing, I'd say like Chasing Darkness. Right. Like that would be my title. Right. But it's like, maybe there already is a Chasing Darkness. You never right. know. But sure. um, I think the, well, the darkness I feel like is to connect it to the Michelle McNamara book. Right. Oh, don't you think? I guess so. I can't, now I can't think of the title again. What I'll be it? gone in the I'll dark. I'll be gone in the dark. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed that they tried to use the word dark or darkness to connect it to I'll be gone in the dark. Okay. That makes sense. And then I know like Chase Darkness with me, it's like, he has like these call to actions, right? right? So it's right. like, he wants people to, to join in to what he's doing. But in my, if I think that there's, there, there might've been a way to been like, yeah, have, I agree. It is make more of a, it's totally true. More I never of a flash. put it that way, but it's totally true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you. It's kind of just like meh to me like it's not it's not bad it's not offensive like there are covers that make me want to die and there's titles where I'm like who approved this I know but it just doesn't necessarily I think again like from where we started where I started it doesn't necessarily say what the book is right and I feel like if so I was confused the whole time because I was like what am I reading yeah and I just think like where am I going when am I going to chase the darkness yeah (laughs) I'm like I don't know like how one true crime writer started solving murders I thought maybe like we were going to it's like, I, I don't know. I thought maybe it was going to, I just, I had no idea. Right. And I just think that the, the packaging could have helped it more. Yeah. Um, I do. I said that was going to be the last thing, but we do have to just quickly talk about his relationship to, to I'll be gone in the dark. Oh, it's that's crazy. like a huge part of the book is like, he was friends with Michelle McNamara and they were like, check in about true crime stuff together yeah so they're like true crime buds and while they're both working on their like separate projects anytime something excited exciting would happen they'd text each other call each other they'd meet up for coffee it's funny because when um i met billy she had already passed away so i never 
understood their relationship really and it's like he'd talk about her but i didn't know how they met i didn't know how right. involved they were i was like oh it's like i guess they were like kind of acquaintance friends but they were super close and yeah you know he was a huge part of finishing that book and that's you know doing her like such a like a wonderful thing right. at the end of the day because it's that's what she was devoting her life right to. like it was a nice way to be able to honor absolutely his like, he was able to like that he was a writer that it worked out that he was able to be the person to do that and i thought that stuff was really good that was probably my favorite stuff in the book right because i was curious like how did this guy end up being the guy i was st- i didn't right. know that either i was, I was like, like how did he become <laughs> like how did why did it go to her why did her book go to this Him, guy yeah and then i was like oh this makes so much sense yeah and it's that has again i haven't read the book yet but you know that's a hard story to tell when they didn't know who the guy was they're right. still trying to connect things together there right. was no ending so it's like how do you actually finish a book like that so um that's a big undertaking and obviously he was doing it like outside of his normal job and stuff yeah. so um it was a really interesting it's interesting to learn about like one of your friends like that. Yeah. I feel like that's very cool. It's like, Oh, surprise, like secret life that you have that I never have talked to you about. Like, yeah. In depth. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else that you want to say about the book before we, um, the only thing is I get a shout out in the back. Oh yeah. Jackson, the acknowledgements, you know, that's on my life bucket list is to be an acknowledgement of a book. Really? Yeah. It's like one of, it's oh. like that and to officiate a wedding and to meet Barack Obama. Those oh. are like my three big ones. Wow. That's a great bucket list. I think that's a pretty good. I need to start making one. Well, maybe you'll be in ours. Okay. Oh my God. Dreams. I think it might happen. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. Read the book about me by the lady gang. <laughs> Starring me. I'm going to literally, if that happens, I'm going to be like, everyone, everyone, come turn to page 345. Check out line 17. I am in this book. My book. My book about me and my life. <laughs> People are so thankful for me. No, um, but I did notice that you got your shout out. It was very nice. I actually always read the acknowledgements. I love reading acknowledgements. So, you know what? I didn't even know until the book came out. He's like, well, no, the audio book came out. And he's oh. like, oh, I gave you guys a shout out, but you won't know what it is. Yeah. Because they don't do they the don't acknowledgements. Do it and it's rude. Yeah, and then so when we finally got the book, we read it. I was like, like "That's so." I was like, "You did not need to do." They that. were. It was a nice shout out. Yeah, too. It was so sweet. It was good. Yeah, you'll have to turn to the back of the book, people. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Jack, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. You guys can find Jack on First Degree Podcast, and you can find her on the Lady Gang, both on Podcast One, where you can find this show. Obviously, if you're listening, you found us. <laughs> so you did it. And yeah, thank you, Jack. Thank you for having me. Yay. And we will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening today. And thank you to Jack for being our guest. Find everything we discussed on today's show by clicking the link in the show notes. For more from the stacks, follow us on social media at the stacks pod on Instagram and at the stacks pod underscore on Twitter. And check out the website, thestackspodcast.com. Remember, get your book recommendations read on air by sending us an email at askingthesacks at gmail.com. To join the Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, go to patreon.com slash the Stacks. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirages. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.